Welcome to another episode of Unearthing Paranormalcy, a podcast where we dig into the paranormal and try to find normalcy in the topic. I'm Amy. I'm Dave. And I'm Chad. This week, we're going to tackle our first listener question. This question comes from Cliff Owens. He asked us for our take on the relationship between religion and the occult, with an emphasis on the parallels between Luciferianism and masonry. Or masonry. Sorry, not masonry. Um, <laughs> the free masonry. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually just looking at masonry bits to order you guys the other day. All right. Um, now, I want to state before we get started on this whole episode, and I think I speak for everybody here at this table. If I don't, too bad. Uh-huh. We mentioned in the beginning that we weren't going to talk about religion. And I feel we seem to bring it up in some way or another in every episode that we've actually done a deep dig into. So with that said, religion will be spoken about on our podcast. But we will discuss religion as it pertains to our topics. We're not going to go out and start preaching anything to anybody. We do not place any one religion above any others. Your personal relationship with your faith is more important than anything anyone else has to say about it. So believe whatever you want to believe in or don't believe anything at all. That's entirely up to you because it's all about what helps you get through life. I also ask that you guys, our listeners, respect our personal beliefs and faiths as well. Nothing's more frustrating than having somebody trying to force you to change your mind to follow what they think you should believe. If we joke about your religion, know that that's all it is. It's a joke and it's for entertainment purposes. It's not an attack. And we will probably joke about most or all religions at some point throughout doing our podcast. We also are not theology experts. Uh, We gather our information from multiple sources. But if we get something wrong, just let us know. Email us, message us on Facebook or Twitter. Let us know. We'll correct it. All right, you guys ready to dig in? Let's do it. All right. First, I'm going to start with what what occult means. And this is from the Webster Dictionary. The occult means not revealed, not easily apprehended or understood, hidden from view, not manifest or detectable by clinical methods alone. So basically, just means that the occult is hidden. What can you tell us about Luciferianism? Luciferianism is a philosophy influenced by Gnosticism, viewing Lucifer not as the devil, but as a liberator a guardian or guiding spirit. While sometimes mistaken with Satanism, Luciferianism is an entirely different belief system. In Satanism, you don't have the same drive to help people as it's more about challenging people and rebelling. Lucifer is seen as one of many morning stars, a symbol of enlightenment, independence, and human progression, similar to the ancient beliefs of the Greek Titan Prometheus or the Jewish figure Lilith. Luciferians, for the most part, support the protection of the natural world, cherish the arts and sciences because they are important to human progression and development. Luciferians think humans should be focused on this life and how to make the most of it every single day. They recognize that all actions have positive and negative consequences, and they believe we all have the ability to actively influence one's own environment. Sounds like a very level-headed understanding there. Luciferian philosophy encourages individuality, with self-determined choices based on strategic application and continually seeking to enhance the will via overcoming challenges. Luciferianism is practiced with the continual cycle and process known as liberation, 
illumination, and apotheosis. For Luciferians, enlightenment is the ultimate goal. The basic Luciferian principles highlight truth and freedom of will, worshiping the inner self and one's ultimate potential. Traditional dogma is shunned as a basis for mortality, as humans should not need deities or fear of eternal punishment to distinguish right from wrong and to do good. They believe ideals should be tested before being accepted, and even when it's advised to remain skeptical because knowledge and understanding are fluid. Regardless of whether Lucifer is conceived as a deity or as a mere archetype, he is a representation of ultimate knowledge and exploration, as well as humanity's savior and a champion for continuing personal growth. Now, Lucifer and Satan were not considered identical until modern folklore and the translation choices in the King James Bible, along with Milton's writing of Paradise Lost in the 17th century, whereupon these two merged the two things being. So, so the Bible never mentioned Lucifer as being Satan before the King James edition? No. Okay. So. It doesn't even in the King James edition. If I, I mean, I, again, I'm not a theology major or expert, but does the Bi Bible doesn't actually mention Satan, does it? I think Satan is the name we put on. Maybe it's the other way. Maybe, I don't know. Well, it's like during the Superstitions episode, uh, the number 666, the number of the beast, the number of the beast was never actually Satan. Yeah. It was what, after a while, became the evil. So the number 666 then became the number of Satan. Became the Originally, evil Originally, it was just the number of the beast. It was the number of the evildoer. Really? Before that, <clears throat> it was just a number. <laughs> it just came after 665 and yeah. before 667. Exactly. I mean, I, people put a lot of negativity on anything that they think could have anything to do with Satan. And so I understand why people would assume Luciferianism could be satanic worship. Because a lot of the Christian bases put Lucifer as the devil or Satan. And Lucifer was an angel, correct? I have no clue. Okay. I don't think so. I believe Lucifer was an angel. I believe Satan was an angel. Satan was an angel? I don't know. Listeners, let us know. I might have to go pull See, up I my... I thought it was Lucifer was the angel that... He was a fallen angel, correct? Yeah. Well... Like, from all the paranormal shows and movies that you look at it, I don't... I'm not going to say I read the Bible or anything, but I didn't. So. Well, in my research, I only found the word Lucifer ever mentioned once in the Bible. Okay. But I'll get into all that later. We're jumping ahead. Now, Satan and the devil is mentioned quite a bit. The devil was supposedly a fallen angel who was one of the best, most beautiful angels. And I'm trying to recall. I'm trying to recall Bible study. <laughs> and he became jealous of humans. He felt like God was giving too much to humans. And so he, he rebelled. He rebelled. And then God took away his wings and sent him down to earth and into hell and... And he's inter he's tried to steal human souls ever since because he doesn't feel that humans belong in heaven with the angels. Is the story that I remember being told mm, a couple decades ago when <laughs> I went to church. Continue on, sorry. It's, it's fine. Um, Luciferianism is considered a mostly left-hand path by practitioners of magic. Uh, Amy and I are going to go back and forth on some of the differences of left-hand and right-hand path philosophy. I will read the left-hand path beliefs, and she will read the right-hand path beliefs, so it's easier to distinguish which one uh, we are presenting to you. The left-hand path is considered to be about the elevation and centrality of the self, 
as well as the rejection of religious authority and societal taboos. The right-hand path concentrates on the symbol of goodness, of herd mentality, and of submission to gods and religious authorities. Left-hand path focuses on the strength and will of the practitioner. It downplays the need for intercession by any high power. Although some may believe that a higher power exists, the, quote, rules, unquote, in left-hand path religions are frequently merely guidelines promoting free thought instead of doctrine. Whereas with the right-hand path, it can be thought of, thought of as one of dogma, ritual, and a belief of a belief in the community and formal structure as well as a higher power. Left-hand path philosophies do not claim that they are the best religion for all people and frequently claim they are only a valid religion for some people, which makes them non-universal. Whereas with right-hand path, the vast majority of religions are considered to be part of the right-hand path. From Christianity to Wicca. The belief that individuals can become akin to gods, usually through spiritual insight. With the right-hand path, individuals can never attain the enlightenment of their deities. Uh, the belief that there is no such thing as a selfless act, fulfilling one's desire, is acknowledged to be selfish, at the least reaping an individual's sense of satisfaction. Right-hand path follows altruism which is the belief in or practice of disinterested and selfless concern for well-being of others. The left-hand path has an esoteric interpretation of concepts like karma, divine retribution, or the threefold law, resulting in flexibility rather than rigid codes of morality. The right-hand path has a set guideline has a set of guidelines for behavior and spiritual management to set up optimal conditions for the next life, be it heaven, reunification with God, or reincarnation. The belief that the individual is preeminent and that all decisions should be made with the goal of cultivating the self, though not necessarily the ego. The God or God's reign supreme and decisions should be made with the goal of cultivating the community or the spiritual self to appease them. Most adherents clearly still retain some sense of self, be it to interact with the material world and modern society, to survive and provide for themselves and their dependents, and also have fun. There's the belief that each individual is responsible for his or her own happiness, and that no external force will provide salvation or reward actions which do not advance one's own happiness in this life. The right-hand path is often held to be that where spiritual and supernatural forces or force is necessary to embrace or worship to attain happiness or enlightenment. The belief that the forces of the universe can be harnessed to one's personal will by magical means, and that power gained and wielded in such a manner is an aid to enlightenment, to self-satisfaction, and to self-deification. The right-hand path is often defined as being the belief system or religion that it, where a spiritual goal, state of mind, enlightenment, merging with a God source or the afterlife as a prize for the good spiritual behavior, behavior whilst alive is the ultimate goal. And in the left-hand path, the platonic view of deities as first forms. 
if deity is perceived as having conscious at all. Then all relationships with the deity are in the form of a partnership or an alliance, which does not require subservience. Belief in a higher power, such as a deity, and obedience to its will of that higher power. The mainstream religions are often classified as right-hand path. For example, Hinduism, Christianity, Judaism, Buddhism. Although clearly some aspects of Gnosticism are somewhat a right-hand path. Some having a goal to rejoin with God and escape the physical world and cynical or cycle rebirth. The goal of mainstream religions may be to extinguish the self. Clearly, it, this is not to attain by the vast majority of the adherents in their lifetime. They do try to adhere to the idea of perfection in order to experience the spiritual realm while they're alive, as well as after death of the physical body. Basically, what I've learned between left-hand path and right-hand path is I'm ambidextrous. <laughs> there are certain aspects of the left-hand path that I I definitely am more left-handed path oriented. But then there's also, I mean, I still adhere to a lot of the right-hand path when it comes to ritual and um, the advancement of the community and, and stuff like that. I also feel that the advancement of self is important to the advancement of the community. So, Yeah, I'm pretty middle of the line myself. What yeah, do you think? Probably the same here. I would just say most people are. and I mean, you have those, you know, hardcore religions, religious people who are, you know, only right-hand. Or some Luciferianism. I'm sure there's some hardcore left. Yeah. So, I mean, you're going to have that all different types of people. Yeah. I know the most people we surround ourselves with are all. Well, we surround, we, we surround ourselves with a lot of moderate people when it comes to religion or politics or anything like that. We're a pretty moderate group. Um, some of us lean a little bit more one way or another, but hey. Now, it could be argued that Philema and chaos magic in general also represent the left-hand path. And there's many different pagan religions and magical practices and traditions that embody many aspects of the left-hand path. Uh, for example, Freemasonry, the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, Rosicrucianism, Wiccan, etc. Some of these orders and religions theoretically display some arguably right-handed path characteristics. For example, the Universal Brotherhood, or Thelema, Freemasonry, white magic within certain branches of Wicca. Thelema is, however, usually more left-handed than right-handed, and Freemasonry, depending on the branch and exact esoteric practices engaged in, is usually slightly more right-handed than Thelemic orders, given its charity work. Uh, this clearly depends on the lodge, and some lodges are definitely not right-handed in any way. Now, Lu Luciferian philosophy has more of a philanthropist energy to it, as it's about gaining knowledge. And if you embody the knowledge, you become the light bearer. You become the Lucifer. You become the vessel for the knowledge, and you pass the torch when you share the knowledge with others. And that makes Luciferianism less of a left-hand path. Now, we haven't gotten into Masons yet, but on Netflix they have a documentary about the Masons. And I started watching that the other day. I know Chad, you've watched it. Yeah. But just that statement alone sounds very much 
like the Mason inauguration ritual. That's all. That's as far as I, as far as I got. I only got halfway through the first episode. <laughs> it's kind of slow to get into. It, but <laughs> I sat there and watched off. I'm actually after the first, probably about halfway through the second episode. I got kind of interested in it and just binge watched the rest of it. So. <laughs> but the same thing is they are excited to pass along the message to the new recruits, like within Luciferianism, where it's your goal is to be able to pass along the knowledge. Yeah, absolutely. I want to talk a little bit about the Luciferian Jeremy Crow, founder of the Luciferian Research Society and co-founder of the Great Church of Lucifer. I thought probably his words could better explain all this than than I could in my limited amount of research. Now, this is Crow's lesson on Gnosis from 2003. First things first, I'd like to define the word Gnosis. The word is Greek and means knowledge. This is not simply information obtained through intellectual study. It is actually knowing. You can listen to descriptions or read all you want about sex, but you will never truly know what it's like until you experience it for yourself. I use the example of sex on purpose. In Genesis, the verb to know is used to indicate sexual intercourse. This has made its way into popular vernacular. He knew her in a biblical sense. The first explicit use of to know in this way occurs in Genesis 4, 1. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived. This event occurs shortly after they both had eaten from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. I will develop this idea more in later lessons. What we are talking about when we use the term Gnosis is direct experiential knowledge of divinity, humanity, and nature. Someone referring to themselves as Gnostic is one who has obtained and or seeks after Gnosis. Usually when you encounter the term Gnostic or Gnosticism, it is referring to a school of thought within Christianity. Although this Gnostic Christianity is considered heretical by the majority of Christian sects, however, true Gnosticism transcends the boundary of religious segregation. There is a thread of Gnosticism within virtually every religion in the world, some more noticeable than others. For instance, Buddhism and Taoism are two religions that have very pronounced Gnostic elements. Gnosticism has made itself presence within Judaism and Islam as well. The Kabbalah and Sufism are quite Gnostic in many respects. Hermeticism has nothing to do within it that is not Gnostic. Hellenic paganism was also a quite powerful vehicle for the Gnosis. An explicitly Gnostic religion called Thelema was founded by Aleister Crowley. Although there will be quite a bit of crossover, the form of Gnosticism that these lessons will concentrate on will be Luciferian. The concept of Lucifer and the Luciferian path will be developed in subsequent lessons. We'll get into some Greek mythology and investigate some veiled symbology in Genesis. Once we get the basics out of the way, we can really start having some fun with this. Is it Aleister Crowley or Aleister? How did you say it? Aleister Crowley. 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 Crowley's actually how it's pronounced. Oh, I've always said Aleister Crowley. Yeah. Well, they say that in the... In last podcasting, oh. they bring it up about how it's Crowley, not Crowley. But everyone... I apparently didn't listen very well to that episode. <laughs> I just heard it because of Ozzy Ozzy. Mr. Crowley! Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely, you guys. Okay, now this is Crow's lesson on Lucifer from 2003. 
Let's take a look at Lucifer. The very first thing you should know is that Lucifer is a Latin word that means light bearer or bringer of the light. In pre-Christian times, the Romans used the term Lucifer to describe the planet Venus when it was the last bright object in the sky before sunrise. Another phrase commonly used for this, even in modern times, is the morning star. Lucifer, the morning star, symbolizes the light shining in the darkness. It heralds the rising of the sun, which banishes the night. St. John the Baptist, the patron saint of Freemasonry, relates to this archetype as well. He was the voice calling out of the wilderness and heralded the coming of the Son of God, Jesus. The rooster or cock also fits into this symbolism. Cock. <laughs> also see the Gnostic <laughs> deity Abraxas. I like how you went to the, the cock. Because my brain starts going, uh, ha, or hollow angels sing joy to the newborn <laughs> king. Is where my brain went with what he said. You just heard cat. <laughs> <laughs> also see the Gnostic deity Abraxas as it crows calling the sun. There is only one explicit reference to Lucifer in the English version of the Bible, Old and New Testament. Let's use the King James version because that is the most because that is what the most hardcore Bible bump believers tend to use. This passage comes from the book of Isaiah chapter 4, verse 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut to the ground, which didst weaketh the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, I will be like the Most High. I think you got serenaded with that. Yeah, man. I think we're going to have to... Uh... Shut Dean's door. <laughs> the, whole, the most high, man. <laughs> uh, these verses are actually referring to the king of Babylon, who has compared himself to the planet Venus, and its aspect as the morning star. It is interesting to note that the same phrase is used a couple other times in the Bible, but the translations of the King James Version decided not to keep the Latin word Lucifer in those cases. The first other instances occur in the second book of Peter, Chapter 1, verse 19. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well, that ye take heed, and unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn, and the day star arise in your hearts. No wonder nobody reads the Bible for pleasure. That was a confusing sentence. <laughs> now this passage is stating that until we forge our own connection with divinity, we have to rely on the teachings of others. The wording is quite poetic and beautiful. However, however, can you imagine if the translators had been consistent and used Lucifer instead of Daystar? In this passage, Lucifer the light bearer would be seen in a good light, pardon the pun, and represents the personal attainment of Gnosis. I would like to point out that this verse is attributed to Apostle Peter, who after denying Christ three times, heard the cock crow. The third important biblical mention of Lucifer occurs in the last, that's the 22nd chapter of Revelation, also known as the Apocalypse of St. John the Divine. Verse 16, I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. 
It is very clear why the translators decided not to use the term Lucifer in this instance. The resurrected Jesus declaring himself to be the ancestor of King David and Lucifer makes sense to me, but it just doesn't jive with the image of Jesus the translators wanted to present. This passage connects the resurrected Jesus to both the lineage of Cain and of Seth. We will have a lot of fun delving into that in later lessons. We've only just scratched the surface on Gnostic Luciferianism. We've only just scratched the surface on Gnostic Luciferianism. It only gets more interesting from here. Next lesson, I will discuss the story of the ancient Greek light bearer. But I'm going to stop there. You can finish up the entire lesson on Mr. Crow's website if you want. It's just uh, jeremycrow.com. So, Jesus is the offspring of David and Lucifer, in theory. Yeah, that's exactly what that's saying. So. Or, at the very least, he's saying that he's the embodiment of Lucifer in the sense that he is enlightened. All right, all right, all right. Or is he saying he's Lucifer and reincarnated? Which then goes back to three or four episodes ago. When... <laughs> <laughs> mm. Well, he's at least comparing himself to Venus, like they were saying. That he's the bright and morning star. I almost think that is he could very well be the reincarnation of Lucifer. I mean, in that in that sense. Yeah, I mean... Because, I mean, he even talks about that with when we talked about in the our, in our reincarnation episodes, our past life episodes. We talked about... Um, Elijah, or uh, uh, John the Baptist, being the reincarnation of Elijah. Yeah, it's true. And here we are talking about John the Baptist again. Yeah, I don't know. Interesting, interesting theories. Now, another Luciferian I looked into was Michael W. Ford. He's a another co-founder of the Great Church of Lucifer, an author of over twenty-four books, co-owner of the Luciferian of Patheca. Apatheca? I'm not sure. A recording artist of dark ritualistic ambient music. Michael W. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's actually pretty good stuff. Uh, Michael W. Ford is a leading Luciferian visionary and left-hand path practitioner. As a co-founder of one of four archons, Ford, along with his associates, defended Satanism, Luciferianism, and left-hand path philosophy during and after the opening of the Great Church of Lucifer and Assembly of Light Barriers in international media. Michael is a student and researcher of ancient Near Eastern religions, early Christianity, and the history of occultism. Actaya is the founder of Magus of the Order of Phosphorus, a worldwide magical order dedicated to Luciferian magic, as well as presiding Yadis, of the Black Order of the Dragon, a magical guild dedicated to the teachings of astral and biomedical energy vampirism, dream control, and sorcery within a foundation in logic and reason. So Sounds energy like vampires. Yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like some group we'd be part of in our green D and D group. Um. Now, Michael Ford said, "Modern culture being influenced by monotheistic good versus evil." religious doctrines, transformed ancient pagan deities into demons, into evil symbols to fit with their dualistic worldview. The symbols of the infernal, including the so-called demons such as Satan, Azazel, Lilith, 
Hecate, Astaroth, and the medieval hierarchy of hell have for 2,000 years been cloaked in a veil of darkness and terror while hiding the balanced pagan traits and values long established prior to Christianity and similar religions. The symbols of demonic and darkness often can reveal the forbidden knowledge which connects the seeker to the wisdom and potential of those symbols and to the energy they can stir within us if we understand their meaning. In his book, Wisdom of Eosfortos, no, in his book, Wisdom... This guy uses big words. <laughs> in his book, Wisdoms of Eosphoros, the Luciferian philosophy, Michael writes the 11 Luciferian points of power. They are as follows. Number one, Lucifer represents the light of intellect, wisdom, and power unique to each individual with the courage to ascend to this responsibility. Number two, the symbol of the adversary is that of the self-liberator and spiritual re rebel who inspires self-evolution. Three, Lucifer represents the balanced torchbearer of Venus, the light bringer as the morning star and the night bringer as the evening star. Four, the adversary symbolizes the spark of consciousness which questions everything manifesting the individualistic path with accountability only to the self. 5. The fall of Lucifer or Satan symbolizes the liberation of the mind from the slave mentality and the courage to explore and master the darkness within. One may not offer the illumination of the morning star without the wisdom of the darkness within. Uh, number 6. The adversary represents rebellion with purpose, wisdom, strength, and power. Number seven, Lucifer represents the courage and fortitude to acquire healthy self-love, leading to the responsibility of honoring your temple of mind, body, and spirit. Number eight, to become your own god, you must have the wisdom and strength to govern and guide your life as if your mind is to survive beyond the mortal body. Number nine, indulgence with restraint. Love for the deserving and disdain for those undeserving. Number 10. Lucifer represents the insight that every act, no matter if perceived as selfish, is at its core a selfish act. Even if helping others is your passion, the brain still receives a chemical reward triggered by the act. This is why many consider that doing good deeds in society may bring you closer to God. Recognize you are selfish. Then see the fact in all others while observing. Accept this, and then with this knowledge, make choices that would benefit not only yourself, but your loved ones when possible. That's really interesting, because I will tell you, there are certain people who I know that they don't need a lot of their time to do things. And then they, they try to portray themselves as righteous for this. Yeah. And I feel like, okay, it's great that you're doing it. Because people need to do that type of stuff. But don't come at me with oh, how righteous you are. Because you're doing it for selfish reasons. You, I mean. You're doing it for the ability to say. That you're better than somebody else. Because you do it. Yeah. But that's how passions work. Yeah. I mean that's all. Sorry that just popped in my head. Oh it's fine. I know exactly where you're coming from on that. Um, okay his last one's number 11. To become a god is to fully understand that you possess the power to create and sustain your path in life 
and illuminate the light of self-determined potential. Now you can find more information on his website. I'm going to spell this out. It's L-I-C-I-F-E-R-I-A-N-A-P-O-T-H-E-C-A dot com. That's Luciferian Apotheca. And, <laughs> and he, he also has a YouTube channel, and that's just his name, Michael W. Ford. You can search for that, and I mean, he has tons and tons of videos on there. And you can learn more about Luciferianism. Mm-hmm. And then we'll discuss. <laughs> <laughs> now, do you got any questions over these two in the, the Gnostic Luciferianism? No. I mean, I see differences, but the differences are actually kind of small. Like, yeah. yeah. Well, I know that I, I'll start thinking, man, I'm, I, I'm kind of a Luciferian. I'm, yeah, I, I and then, eleven of these. <laughs> and then, then something else. I'm like, no, nah, I don't agree with that one. And then you'll read something else. I'm like, yeah. Well, you could be like everyone else in religion and just pick and choose the part you want. That's kind of what I do <laughs> yeah. anyway. I mean, that that's exactly what left hand path is. It's. It's taking what works for you and scrapping the rest. That's, I would definitely consider myself, like we said, I'm moderate, but I do see myself more in the left-hand side. Yeah, mm-hmm. same here. I mean... And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean... I but, like to explore religions. I like to read about them, learn about them. Not that I'm doing it to follow them, but I feel like every religion has something that would benefit me. And so... I like to read it, find out what it is from that religion that benefits me. Yeah. Which I guess that's kind of a Luciferian trait. I just fit more into the, I enjoy the uh, ancient religions, would <laughs> be the way to put it. Yeah. I'm not a fan of the way the newer ones are. So it's almost like I pick and choose, and then still, I don't know. I'd... I'm not a fan of giving it a label. I follow the religion of Amy. The religion of Amy has bits and pieces from every religion I've ever read about. Because, guess what? Nobody's lived my life. Nobody's experienced the things that I've experienced. So therefore, my outlook on life is different than others. So there's not one general group religion that is going to fit me perfectly. So instead of like, like in the magical sense, like chaos magic, it would be chaos religion. Yeah, that's that's more me. <laughs> okay, <laughs> we'll start our own church. Yeah. But see, that's the thing. Yeah, everyone can do whatever they want. The church won't have one big gathering room. It'll be like thirty little individual rooms where you can just go and read and research what you want to. So <laughs> <laughs> <Show> a library. <laughs> <laughs> Precisely. So an occult bookstore. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. I would love to have an occult bookstore. Now, some Luciferians believe in Lucifer as an actual deity, not to be worshipped as the J. Doe Christian God, but to be revered and followed as a teacher and friend, as a rescuer guiding spirit, much like the deities in many New Age religions. Theistic Luciferians are followers of the left-hand path and may adhere to different dogma put forth by organizations such as the Neo-Luciferian Church or other congregations which are heavily focused on ceremonial magic, the occult, and literal interpretations of spiritual stories and figures. 
The Neo-Luciferian Church is a Gnostic and Luciferian organization with roots in Western esotericism, voodoo, Luciferianism, thelema, and magic. The Luciferian Church was started in 2005 as a cooperative between Danish occultist Bjarn Salling Peterson and the American artist, author, and philosopher Michael Bertiu. I think it's Bertiu. It's I-A-U-X on the end. Yeah, Bertiu. As a reawakening and modern interpretation of the Luciferian Gnosticism advocated by Danish occultists and member of the Ordu Templi Orientis, Carl William Hansen called Ben Kodosh in the early 1900s. Today, the organization is primarily active in Denmark and Sweden and has a very strong internet presence. The OTO now has many temples around the USA, also in various states, from California to Texas and eastward. The Neo-Luciferian Church operates with a creed and a manifesto, and has a teaching that incorporates elements from the Lima, Gnosticism, Voodoo, traditional occultism, and witchcraft. There is an emphasis on art, psychology, and critical thinking. The mythology draws heavy on Roman and Catholic sources, and more dubious modern writings such as Charles Leland's Aradia, or the Gospel of the Witches, the works of Dion Fortune, Michael Bertou, and Aleister Crowley. Mr. Crowley! Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> the Neo-Luciferian Church operates within a grade system of seven degrees and belongs in the succession of from Kevin a number Bacon? of churches. Some Gnostics and magical in origin, others belonging to the succession described in the Ecclesia Gnostica Spiritualis. On their website it states, Our church does not adhere to the old notion that Lucifer is an aspect of Satan, shared by Satanists and Christians alike. We do not ascribe to the Miltonian concept of Lucifer as a fallen angel however beautiful Milton's poetry might be. We do not agree with Dante's dark notion of Lucifer being at the bottom of hell, as we cannot see the Lord of Darkness and the Bringer of Light as synonymous. I found through research that Catholicism actually has a Saint Lucifer. So therefore, in the 4th century, Lucifer was not considered another name for Satan. I'm going to read you the Manifesto of the Neo-Luciferian Church. And even though this church is a little more right-handed, its uh, manifesto and stuff is, they consider it more guidelines and not commandments. Uh, number one, Lucifer is the deity of illumination, education, and insight. Stupidity, conscious rejection of facts that doesn't suit into your philosophy of life, blind belief in old dogmas, fear of seeking answers, is the mentality of slaves and henchmen, not leaders and individualists. The Neo-Luciferian Church celebrates the strong, illumined man, unafraid of insight, even with this insight is in opposition to common norms. So everybody listening to our podcast, you're welcome to this church. Two, Lucifer is the deity of pride. Lucifer represents pride, self-esteem, and knowledge of your own worth. The fear of success and the fear of standing out from the gray masses are tokens of weakness. The mediocre is not a golden middle way, 
but a symptom of lack of self-esteem, a forerunner of jealousy against and condemnation of those who are doing well. The creative, producing, and communicating individual contributes to the evolution of the world. The lazy and passive man, the camp follower who wallow in his own mediocrity, is like a parasite on the living tree of life. Okay, so maybe I don't... I'm not welcome in this church. Yeah, I, maybe we don't want to be a part of this. I don't know. Three. Lucifer is the deity of freedom. Freedom, freedom. of choice. Freedom! Freedom of choice and the right to formulate individual moral values are the tokens of an illumined society. I have the freedom to be mediocre. Got <laughs> 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 right, <got> you now. <laughs> Every human has an unconditional right to its own body, including its own sexuality. This unconditional right is for everybody. No one should be a victim of other people's uncontrolled behavior. The mature and conscious man has the right to eat, drink, and consummate what he wants and when he wants. If only he's responsible for the implications by doing so. Likewise, man has the right to die when and how we will. Those who hinder these rights for humanity must expect merciless opposition from those who fight freedom's cause. Sorry, I have a big problem with people who want to preach freedom, but you have to follow the rules. <laughs> well, you I, totally take away the freedom these part. These are guidelines. Yeah, I said from the top that this They're isn't... Guidelines. Well, it's kind of like God gives us free will, but we're supposed to follow his route. No, wait a second. You gave me free will. That means you gave me the opportunity to think for myself. So then you're going to make me think your way? Then you're taking away my free will. Therefore, <laughs> you are a liar. <laughs> but but it's also, in that aspect, it's not God trying to make you think that way. It's it's the man up at the on the stage yeah, with your the, money. Yeah, it's the church. Yeah. But, sorry, that just stands out to me when I, I have an issue with that. Yeah. I understand. If you're going to give me freedom, you, you got to give me freedom. If I have the freedom, then I have the freedom to be mediocre. I have the freedom to be lazy. I have the freedom. Well, whatever that last part was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the last part was all about freedom. <laughs> freedom, 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 freedom. You have the freedom to be free in freedom. Yeah. Now, uh, number four, Lucifer is the deity of prosperity. Prosperity and success are roads to freedom and increase self determination, if used correctly. Striving towards higher goals is something natural to both humans and animals. In the lion's flock, the male fights to be the strongest and most impressive. In the human flock, it's the hunt for riches and fame that motivates. Ambition, striving, putting future goals into perspective and stubborn persistence in the increase of possibilities are aims that are celebrated in the Neo-Luciferian Church. False humility, toady backscratching and self-pretentious behavior are cowardice and the mark of those who want but cannot bear prosperity. Number five. <laughs> this is the last one. Lucifer is a primeval force. A primeval darkness gave birth to the light. Light was a condition for life. The forces of nature are called by many names in the religions and philosophies of the world. The fearsome man worshipped humbly this marvel of creation, ascribed moral values to it, dictatorial rules of life, and submitted to these self-invented norms. Shame, guilt, 
self-abasement, and self-sacrifice in the name of a fictive god is something alien to the Neo-Luciferian. The divine force, which is, is not occupied with moral values, just as little as electricity, magnetism, or gravity is. Lucifer is a name for the primeval force in the universe, but also a personified as well as abstract reality. Not like a dictatorial, not like a dictatorial, damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Not like a dictatorial, what is this word? (laughs) Not like an overbearing father or other brother. (laughs) But as a force that can be mobilized by the knowing and willful human. Was that the end? Yeah, it was the end. Okay. There, was, there, no, there wasn't no backhanded comment on the end of that one. <laughs> <laughs> well. So looking at this, is, do parts of Luciferianism look at it as when they say God gave us light, God gave us Lucifer? That's what I was just thinking. When you said that the creation of light, and I was like, and God said, let there be light. Was he when he created Lucifer? I don't know, but but I do know if you actually read the order, he almost created light last. Yeah. Yeah. Which means he created like all the planets in the universe and shit in the dark. <laughs> That's why we're so <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> now, like, I'm not a big fan of this. I mean, I can't say I'm not a fan because I don't know it. But based off of this, those who worship Lucifer, they fall. They fall right next to the church, the Christian church, you know, and maybe in in what way structure. (laughs) Structure. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I also have, I guess that's where I'm more left-handed as well. I have a problem with putting one deity so high up on a pedestal that you like, they can't do wrong. Absolutely. And the way this is, is Lucifer is everything. Yeah. Yeah. But I also, at the same time, I believe that the the one true deity, or like the the big deity, because I actually, I again like the polytheistic religions where there's little gods that do smaller things and there's like one yeah. big god. So, to me, the main deity, like the head honcho up there, is good and evil. And... When you take Christianity and you look at it, if we are created in God's image, then that would mean, because each of us has good and evil in us. And I actually had somebody try to argue with that with me the other day, saying, well, not, you know, we don't have evil in us. No, everybody has good and evil. Yeah. Some of us can check our evil a little bit better than others. Some of us have morale. Yeah. Have morality. Yes. Mm-hmm. Some of us have, you know, a, a, a conscious. Our conscious. I, I, we have we have Jiminy Cricket that tells us not to do things, but at the same time, we both we are capable of both. So if we're created in God's image, then I feel that we are created in the image of something that is more perfect, correct, and has both aspects of good and evil. And then you had to look at, I don't know, you could go deeper into that too, is what is good and evil? Because good and evil, evil to us is different than somebody else. It's, it's subjective. Yeah. So, I don't know. That's where I'm very fluid when it comes to religion. 
Now, what I, <laughs> what I do like about this path is it takes a lot of the duality out of it. Yeah. You know, it's it's not like, oh, this is good and this is evil. This is left-hand path. This is right-hand path. This is sin and this is this is sainthood. You yeah. You know, it's, it looks at all the gray area. Yeah. All the stuff in between. Well, and something we do as a society is we often make it cited. Oh, absolutely. You know, with you're a Democrat and you're a Republican. You're good, you're evil. You're, you know, we like to give it... We like to have a bad guy to go Yeah, well, we just like to, to separate things. And I'm, again, not a big fan of that. That's why I, I think most of the people we hang out with are very moderate, middle-of-the-road people who have both sides. Um, but I also... I mean, that is something we do as a society. And so I do like the fact that this kind of takes that out of it. And that, yeah. that's with the right-hand, left-hand path. You can't force somebody to be one or the other. No, people just are. You just are. You're one, you mean, you're going to take some things from the right-hand path, you're going to take some things from the left-hand path. It doesn't make one or the other better or right. It's just different. I should have been born a hippie. <laughs> I've become a hippie. I often feel like I was born in the wrong decade. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like going off of uh, Luciferianism and then from what I've got from Freemasonry. It's like, it's kind of how I'm school it. It's all about self-improvement to better the community. Well, that's yeah. How, that's how I'm school it. That's how I look at my, I don't have a set, per se religion. I look at it as I do what's best for me in return so I can do better for everyone else around me. Exactly. And that's how, yeah. I guess, I guess, really the question is, when does it stop being a philosophy and start being a religion? I feel like when there's more than one person in it. You well, think so? I think it's when there's money behind it. Well, yeah, well, that, that definitely, when there's money behind it. Well, what about something like statism? Or communism? There's money behind it. So would that be considered a religion and not just philosophy? I think I think I think political stuff is very much a religion, yeah. and uh, you can see that very well and uh, and relevant in today's world between the Republicans and the Democrats, and how it's very much at least the way the media makes it out to be. You are either a full fledged Republican and you love Trump, and you know this is you, you are you'll side with Trump for any reason. Or you're a liberal and you hate Trump and you're going to do everything to destroy Trump. Yeah, what about all the libertarians out there? Yeah, like, (laughs) and it's like, okay. Or the people who just don't give a shit. They're trying to make it a religion. Yeah. They're trying to make it where you follow Trump or you follow Obama or, you know, whatever. And it's not. It's okay to say, you know, I'm a Republican, but I... I don't agree with what our president's doing. And it's okay to be a liberal and say, or a Democrat and say, hey, I love my country and I'm going to respect Trump while he's still in office. So it's almost like they're portraying these politicians as deities themselves. Exactly. Yeah. It has definitely become that in this in, in this climate we're in right now. When you look at with religion being what causes the majority of wars, the way they hold the democratic the Democrats and the Republicans, you see the hostility in between the two, and you get to that, you know, we're not having war, we're, have, we're having political war. We're, we're really in, like, a civil political war right now amongst each other, and it's so stupid. And it's basically the same reason you have wars for religion. It's mine's better than yours. Yeah. And that's 
how yeah. the political races and everything seem to be right now. So, yeah, I would say politics now is... Is a religion. Is a religion. And, yeah. And if they're not deities, they're like Pope-like figures. You know? Like, the this is this is the head of our things. religion. Yeah. This is who we tro- chose to be the head of our, our, our party. Yeah. And... And you put too much faith in a human. I'm telling you guys, people are flawed. We all make mistakes. We all do stupid shit. Not a single human should be worshipped for any reason, shape, anything. There's no reason to worship a human. You can respect one and like one, but don't worship them. Don't put them on a pedestal just because somebody tells you to. Oh, yeah. I, I wouldn't. I, I don't even worship deities. You know? Exactly. It. I, I like the idea of deities, but I don't worship them. Yeah. <laughs> I think the idea, like, even the same polytheism, polytheism always intrigues me. Not that I want to, you know, bow down to you know, Zeus and uh, Poseidon and Ares, but I just think the idea of it's cool. But well, see, and when you come with, like... Religion and idea, an idea is a fascinating thing. Well, but in real life, it's terrifying. Yeah. 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 Well, and when you look sure at when you look at the Greek and the Roman mythologies and the Greek and Roman gods, those deities want to be human. They come and hang out with the humans, and especially and Zeus, man. Earlier, the, <laughs> with all those polytheistic uh, religions, the gods are both good and evil. Yeah. Zeus comes down and rapes women, but then he's still held high. That's a whole other bucket of worms. We're not even going to open on this podcast. <laughs> but, so I mean, it, there's good and evil in everything. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah, I definitely think money behind a uh, philosophy what, is what kind of turns it more to a religion. Yeah. When it okay. becomes more about making money. Money and power. About, with religion, I think it comes to, yeah, it's, it used to be more of acknowledgement or of learning and knowledge and self-improvement and all that stuff. Well, now it's become more of a, I want the money. I need the money. Give me your money kind of thing. And so I think that's where the philosophies become religions now nowadays is because it all backs money. Everything is backed with money. Well, and money you brings know. power and people are power hungry and we want power and we want to control and, we, you know, well, all that stuff. And religion takes away free will. I mean, we talked about that just a minute ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if your church says do this, you're gonna do it. And here we go. So you're not talking about religion. Okay, we're gonna talk about religion only what it portrays into what we're talking about, and then we go off this. <laughs> but it, politics is religion. <laughs> but it, it pertains in the fact. I mean, we're gonna be comparing and contrasting yeah. this and masonry. <laughs> I would say that, like, though, with Luciferianism, there there's a lot of things that draw my attention. Yeah. And there's a lot of things that push me away. I think it's the same like Amy was saying earlier with she likes to pick and choose the parts of religions and a lot of other religions, I mean, follow the same ideas as this. Yeah. It's just they have a few different rules that happen to alienate other groups of people. Yeah. So Exactly. That's why when we create our church slash library slash insane asylum, whatever <laughs> we want to call it <laughs> everyone is welcome. 
You want to bring your Bible well, and, and read and your and Bible. It's going to be a haunted house, too, because we talked about that. Oh, yes. The haunted house will be in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> and then our occult bookstore will be upstairs. <laughs> yeah, I definitely I'd like the, the knowledge-seeking aspect of it. Yeah. Because cause knowledge gives you power. It gives the individual power. Well, and I feel, my personal belief is that I'm here on Earth to ascend. Mm-hmm. So I'm here to learn a lesson. I'm here to do something to propel my soul forward for when I pass. And then into my next life, I'll have another lesson that I'll have to go until I can reach attainment. Enlightenment. Enlightenment. There we go. Until I can attain enlightenment. There we go. That's how I was trying to word that. And with the gods and the deities and the angels and all those others who ascended before me. You know, that's kind of my my feeling and take on why I'm here on Earth. So I'm constantly trying to attain more knowledge. And sometimes I'll attain knowledge and I'll like get passionate about it. And then I'll read something else and I'm like, hey, that actually makes more sense. And I'm okay with letting it go. That's a great way to be. You know, I'm okay with learning. Like I said, I feel like my religious beliefs are more fluid. If I learn something new, I can let go of some of the old to make room for the new because it's ever evolving. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm big uh big time knowledge seeker. I'm not so much of like a truth seeker though, like these truth seekers you see, cuz I believe that truth is never ultimate. Truth is ever changing. But knowledge can always give you Well, the truth can always change to yeah, be bits fit what you want. So it's fluid. Yeah, Fake news. <laughs> it's learning knowledge. I mean, learning knowledge. Obtaining knowledge. Obtaining knowledge mm-hmm. is what's gonna. I mean, whether it be truth or not, it's still you're learning something that later on you might find out. You know, is false or is true, and it will help you in your journey. Either way, learning it in the first place is what's gonna help you get to where you're trying to go. Exactly. Exactly. And that's kind of what our podcast is about. It's about spreading knowledge and encouraging our listeners to also go out and seek your own knowledge. Yeah, learn about it. Find out. I mean, I didn't know. I didn't even knew know Luciferianism existed until I knew it was a thing, but I knew absolutely nothing about it until PJ came to us with this. It was like Freemasons. I knew of Freemasons, but I didn't know a dang thing about what they stood for or anything like all that. All I know, all I knew about Freemasons before this was what I'd seen on movies and yeah, like the, little documentaries here and there what they, i knew was the conspiracies and yeah the, yeah the yeah. only thing i knew about luciferianism was the luciferian agenda of the <laughs> congress and the senate <laughs> and that kind of stuff you hear on <laughs> i talk about kind of like that in my conspiracy theories on the Mason. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know my thing is too i would have associated luciferianism with satanism just because you know, my Christian background. The two are the same. From You know, I've learned something. Yeah. And I'll take that and move on past. You know, I'll take it, absorb what I need, and move on. And that's how I feel we should all do when we learn something new. Yeah. And hey, maybe I'll forget about this, but then one day I'll need to pull it up and it'll be there. And I will know that Lucifer is not Satan. And Satan is not Lucifer. Well, we have covered a whole lot of information in this episode, and we haven't even started on the Masons. So, this is going to be a two-parter. 
So we're just going to end this one right here. We're going to continue on. We're going to continue going on into Mason's and record that episode. But you guys are going to have to wait. Until Sorry. Next week. Until next week. Or maybe if you donate to our Patreon page, you can listen a little early. <laughs> um, if you want to add anything to what we've talked about today, or if you have a correction on the way we said something or anything, just email us at unpnormalcy at gmail.com. Uh, you can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at unpnormalcy. We also ask that you please go onto iTunes, Google, wherever you get your podcast, and leave us a review and rating. That helps us get in more people's ears. We'd really appreciate that. Yeah, don't hog us just for yourself. Yeah, and make it a five-star rating. If you don't have a five-star rating, email us. Let us know why. We'll, we'll fix it. <laughs> <laughs> um, we also, like I said, we have a Patreon page up and going. Um, we love doing this podcast and doing it for fun. <laughs> but there are some costs on our end that it just a little help would be nice. Um, if, if you find it in your heart that you want to donate, if you like us enough and you want to help us keep going... Um, you can go to patreon.com slash UMP normalcy. We have four different tiers. We have the ghost squad for just a dollar a month. You get access to bonus content and a shout out on podcast. Then we have the monster squad for $3 a month. Um, you get access to bonus content, a shout out on the podcast, and you get to get on our mailing list. So we'll send you holiday cards, birthday cards, Anything else we find really cool that we want to send you? Um, then we have the ET squad, the extraterrestrial squad, for $5 a month. You get all of the above, the shout-out, the bonus content, and the mailing list. But you'll also get a personal OM reading from Dave. Then the next level is invest or paranormal investigator. I think I actually just have it as the investigator. You'll be an investigator. Uh, $10 or more a month and you get all of the above plus we're going to send you an autographed picture of our team along with early released episodes and my shirt will be on so don't ask <laughs> and if as we get merchandise and things like that you'll also get added content or added or added discounts to the different tiers um, and you can also just donate you know, you don't have to stop at 10. You want to do 20, 50? Chad said he'd go on a date with anybody who donated $100 a month. So, uh. <laughs> Just know that $100 is going to the date, so can't be too expensive, but I'm down. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you guys for listening, and until next time. Keep digging. Outro.